to the From the Heart podcast with Don Lister and Daniel Grimm, owners and founders of the Anahata Yoga Studio based in Leonsea, Essex, England. Hi Don, how are you? I'm okay, but just okay. I'm not perfect, but I'm okay. How are you? I'm well today, thank you. That's good. Very well. I've been um, indulging in a bit of seaside swimming, which has been really lifting my mood and um, enjoying these last little moments of summer that we've been having. So feeling quite good today. <laughs> I've been sea swimming as well, as you know, and the water is definitely getting chillier. And I've been playing around with the idea of a wetsuit, but I have worn a wetsuit before and I did look like one of those 18-month-old kids and you know those um, all-in-one suits they wear where they zip them up and their arms literally are horizontal to the sides of their body and you can't move in it it's so uncomfortable so I'm not sure I, might, I may be a fair weather swimmer I may stop when it gets really cold yeah I've got my wetsuit ready and the aqua shoes and I was just saying to someone the other day when it gets really cold I don't put my head under, so I've invested in a bobble hat that I can wear in the sea. It's <laughs> keep me warm. All that. So I'm fully prepared, so I'll, I'll look as big an idiot as what you may look good. <laughs> oh my goodness. I think I'm going to have to talc myself into it anyway. Sea swimming, it's a good thing. I like it. Love it, it is. Well, it's great for, great for low mood, apparently. Well, maybe I'll go and jump in there after this podcast then. <laughs> Lift my spirits. <laughs> so we thought we would take this opportunity um, to actually talk a little bit about the podcast and what it is that we're going to be talking about and who with over the next six weeks. So um, Dawn, why was it that you wanted to put together a podcast? What was your ideas behind? So, um, well, I, I love to talk, as we know, and I have so many interesting conversations with so many different people i think you and i are very fortunate in our line of work in that we meet very insightful people who've done a lot of work on themselves who are following a whole variety of different paths and it's absolutely fascinating and i i kind of often forget what they've told me and think oh i wish i could remember what they said so i can share the wisdom with other people um so I think that's probably coming from my menopausal brain, which is in full swing today. Um, so that was kind of where I was coming from. I thought, I, I, I know these incredible people. I want to share them with my community. I want to have deeper conversations and be able to learn more for myself and also help to share with others uh, ways that we can support ourselves, support each other, and, and also really understand where people are coming from. I think the world is changing so quickly, isn't it? I don't know how you feel, but... I feel a bit like I'm starting to get left behind. I don't always understand new language, new ways of thinking, um, some of the experiences some people are having I can't relate to because they're not my experiences. So I wanted to deepen those conversations and see that I could keep learning, I guess, and then keep sharing. What about you? Mm, I think, you know, I, especially over lockdown, I've spent a lot of time listening to podcasts and some of the podcasts I've listened to um, have been about work and have been about yoga and yoga therapy and about that sort of wider community around that. But then also 
I've been listening to um, podcasts that have been influenced because of them having an LGBT outlook. Um, and I'm amazed at how much I've learned mm. from listening to other people's stories and experiences. And for me, I think it's a really amazing opportunity for us to invite people in and to be on this podcast and for us to be able to maybe have subjects that we don't know that much about ourselves. So we get to learn and hopefully the people listening get to learn as well. But then also the person who is being interviewed by us or sharing the conversation with us um, gets an opportunity to get their message out as well. Um, I know we've kind of spoken briefly about some of the areas we want to talk about and, you know, some are fun and enjoyable and some are quite difficult subjects. And I think, you know, it's, it's a really important time for us to be talking about the whole spectrum of our emotions and what we're experiencing in our day-to-day lives. So my intention is that we offer a spectrum of, of, of all different experiences and people with different levels of experience as well. You know, people that have maybe been in a, in a practice for 20, 30 years or people that might be a little bit new to it and kind of finding their feet because actually seeing things from a beginner's perspective is always the best way to learn, isn't it? Mm. And I think it's worth saying, um, just diverging slightly, as I like to do, when I um, drinks with some friends who live in Italy, and um, they were asking me about yoga and sort of really got fixated on asana being a practice and asking me what yoga really meant to me. And I said, well, yoga is everything. I said, this conversation is a yoga, you know, how we eat is a yoga, the way we reflect is our yoga, the way we work, do our job is a yoga. You know, it's, it's about the intentionality of everything that we do. Um, the way we the way we look at everything and respond to everything and the way we receive and filter and manage our information and that was quite mind-blowing to them and I think for me you know although we're both yoga teachers we have a yoga studio it really bleeds into everything in our life doesn't it the practices and the things we've learned and understand we can take into everything we do and it becomes a tool that transforms everything because it's all about our mindset and the way we understand things and the way we approach things. Yeah, I, I would really agree with what you've said. And I think, you know, from an outsider, maybe looking into the, to the perspective of what yoga has the potential to show you, it can feel really quite bewildering and quite a scary place to be. And I think what might be useful is maybe if you could explain a little bit more to people, Dawn, about why you realised in the first place you needed some form of support through yoga or meditation or when your journey sort of started to be that you started to question beyond what you was experiencing within yourself and looking for those answers. Mm. So... It's a big question. <clears throat> I guess for me, my first experience of yoga, as I've mentioned a few, 
often when I'm asked is um, I first did a practice when I was about 18 in a gym, literally in a weight training gym, we put some mats in the middle of the gym. People were crashing their weights around us a little bit and we did some practice. And then I just felt amazing after the practice, really enjoyed the way it made me feel physically and how much calmer I felt. And then from there on in, went on to do, I would say I did yoga. And I did it for a number of years, even to the point where I did my teacher training and became a teacher. And I guess that I didn't really get what yoga was till much later in life. I would say I did yoga and I did asana. And I did meditation. I did those practices as separate entities that I went to and practiced and performed. And I would have said I performed an asana or performed or took part in a meditation practice versus those things being supports in my life. They were just things I did as like little escape pods to get off feeling uncomfortable. And I guess for me, I didn't realize that I was unhappy and uncomfortable until I got to my early 30s where I my marriage had, had fallen apart um, I was getting divorced I had three young children on my own um, I didn't really have much support around me because um, obviously my upbringing was very challenging I was brought up in a cult I didn't have um, didn't really have the support of my parents or brothers and sisters around me particularly at that time and I was very, very I was very low and I remember just thinking at some point, I wish I wasn't here. I just don't want to do this anymore. It's so, so hard. And, and at the, that was at the point where I thought, gosh, you know, I know I do a yoga class and I feel incredible. And then I come away and I feel awful. I feel, you know, really dark to the point where even suicidal. And it was like a little switch went off and my head was, well, why can't I take what I know in my yoga class or in my meditation practice and make that work for me in my life? And I didn't really know the answer. And that's when I went into therapy in earnest. So that was my beginning point of saying, I know I can feel better because I do when I'm meditating and I do when I'm practicing yoga. But when I'm not doing those things, it's almost as if the switch goes off again. So then entered into therapy and began to unpick some of the trauma that had been my early life and that had caused me to make some very poor choices as a young adult um, in my 20s. And then from there, over the years, it's been an ongoing process of uncovering self-compassion, healing, understanding myself and others, a lot of forgiveness, a lot of self-compassion, a lot of getting it wrong and making mistakes, but over the years, finding different things at different times that supported me in my own journey to become whole, I guess, or to remember that I was whole because I never was not whole. We always are. We just sometimes forget so um yeah i guess i don't know does that answer the question up to a point absolutely i think you know there, there's a there was an awful lot of things that were going on for you but it wasn't until you got to that point where you felt almost broken down that you actually reached out for support mm -hmm. and i think you know 
what's so amazing about yoga is it does have such a wide variety of different things that it can offer to you but fundamentally it isn't the answer to anything <laughs> it's just a way of it's just a way of accessing emotions feelings thought processes starting to allow you to become aware of your responses and your behaviors around when you're feeling those things Mm. Uh, and ultimately yoga won't sort the problem out for you the only person that can is you and i think that is a fundamental learning that i've experienced within my practice especially more recently um as you know um i am a gay man and i really struggled growing up accepting that i was gay and I've done some more recent therapy now and realized underlying that was this deep sense of loneliness. And that loneliness I've really experienced again over COVID lockdown, um, feeling cut off and feeling I didn't have anybody when I knew I did have lots of people, I just didn't know how to access them. Mm -hmm. So it's only been through the yoga practice that I had the right practices to be able to recognize that these have been themes that have ran through my life time and time again. And every time I feel that loneliness, I go into a state of, you know, self self deconstruct, whatever that is at that time, whether it's drugs, alcohol, work, relationships, shopping, you know, you name it, whatever comes up will come up. And actually for me now, it's really important that I recognize when I start to do those traits and I connect to something that feels more powerful than me, which is access through my yoga practice. And that's actually a self-belief in us as human beings. <laughs> you know, I really do have this belief that actually collectively we're really powerful. Mm. And when we're on our own, we're actually quite weak. You know, mm. when, I, when I'm on my own, I feel quite lonely when I'm around a collective of people and I feel supported, even through things up on the internet, that actually gives me power and actually makes me feel more buoyant and able to move forwards. Mm. And it's only been very recently that I've started to really unpick and understand that in my mind. Um, But yeah, I mean, you know, I didn't realize 20 odd years ago why I was going to yoga. I just needed to feel part of something. (laughs) So actually I knew it all along, you know. Mm. It's just been keep recognizing, keep recognizing, keep recognizing what's happening and keep acting in ways that nurture and support me rather mm. than disrupt me in some way. That's really powerful. I kind of feel like I almost want to just take a moment and just. So you said I knew back then I wanted to be part of something in the, I mean, you didn't know consciously, but there was an unconscious awareness that I was, you were part of something during your yoga class. Would you say back at that time, there was a lot of striving going on in your practice? Oh, absolutely. There was striving in every single part of my life. Mm. There was striving to be the person that I didn't want to be or hiding away from that person that I knew I was, Mm. which took a lot of energy, Mm. which made me feel lonely because actually I couldn't connect with family members I couldn't connect with friends at the time. I felt completely isolated because that was my way of protecting myself away from, you know, the thought of me being a a gay man and having to admit that to myself. 
So you were running away from yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And weirdly, I went to this yoga class with my mum and dad. And at that point, I actually felt something different. Can you say what it was? I just felt, I felt connected. Mm. But it wasn't because there was other people in the room. I felt connected back to myself again. Mm. But via other people being there and creating a safe community for me. Mm. Which for me is why it's so powerful the yoga center that we've created and the community that we've created there and now this online community through the podcast that we've got the potential of creating as well. That could be a turning point for someone in their life. They might hear one thing that might make them think differently. And that's an amazing, amazing power that we have as individuals and as a collective group to be able to support others and help others and change. Yeah. And what I think is worth expounding on a little bit more is just to say that the practices that we get within a class, and you, you'll speak more about this, so I'll, I'll just say from my point of view, is what I, what I was giving myself was permission to just be for that hour, that hour and a half. I was learning how to let go, how to accept what was true in that moment, how not to judge what was challenging for me was as soon as I left the yoga class, whether I was teaching or being part of the class, being a participant, was that I immediately came out of that headspace. So I didn't stay in that non-judging space, that non-striving space. Um, I could do that in class and I could do it for others. I could be invitational around meeting yourself where you are with deep compassion and love and not pushing too hard, not forcing through. But when I came out of that space and came into my life, I didn't feel like I deserved that same honor in my moment to moment existence. I felt very much because I couldn't meet the standards that were expected of me as a child because of my early programming. I couldn't do that for myself in my life, except in my yoga class. But over the years, that began to bleed into, well, why not at home? Why not with my kids? Why not with my friends? Why not with my partner? You know, why not with my body? And then questions began to be asked, personal questions of myself, that then, so so the yoga showed me the way, but I had to walk through the door. And that, you know, for people, for people that takes different times, it took me a long time to get to that place where, and I'm still walking through those doors, you know, still finding new doors to open and, and accept and love myself within, as well as we do in our classes and in our practices day to day. Mm. I was just reflecting on, you know, I've been told this so, so, so many times, but it seems to be ringing very true right now is every moment look at it through beginner's eyes Mm. and allow the moment that you're experiencing to be one that is about learning rather Mm. than repeating Mm. this is it this is the the core of a mindfulness practice you know acceptance complete acceptance with non-judgment of the present moment Mm -hmm. And as we know, there is only now, you know, there is 
the past is gone, the future is not here yet. It's a cliche, but it's true. And, it, and in the now, we, it's fresh, it's different. It's brought with it everything different from the previous moments. So we have to open ourselves up entirely to the freshness of this moment with deep, deep compassion and deep love. And that took such a long time to learn, such a... And still, and still something, we call it a practice because we have to practice doing it. It's very, is how easy, and it might be worth just shifting into this gear a little bit. How easy is it to forget? <laughs> On a daily basis, do we forget to stay in that moment and get drawn into our old habits? I know we all have our different habits, and I'm very honest, my addictive personality is one of overwork, and it's, it's a blue and nightmare so easily crank up a gear and take on more clients or more work or more projects or more listening and then you'll forget about yourself and you'll forget about what you need and then you'll end up poorly a bit like I'm feeling today but worn out exhausted still recovering from COVID probably overdoing it a bit so you know would you agree do you think that's something that we have to continually practice well, I, I, I've resided to the point now that actually, you know, and I've heard this be said time and time and time again to me, that ultimately your life is your practice. Mm -hmm. So therefore, every moment that we're operating consciously within our lives, mm -hmm. we have an opportunity to be compassionate and kind or to be hurtful or unkind. Mm -hmm. And I know what avenue I try to choose as much as possible, but actually falling into the hurting and unkind place can be a place that actually feels very safe and comfortable for myself and many other people, you know. So that the, the reason that the practices are there is to keep reminding you <laughs> yeah. to go back, to go back, to go back. You know, how can you be more kind? How can you offer more kindness? How can you take more care of yourself? And can you say a little bit, in your opinion, why do you think people slip back into those old practices, which actually we know are only going to cause us grief in the long term? I think it's really simple because they're familiar to us. Mm -hmm. They feel safe. They feel the place that we've we've done we've done more of the the harming than we had of the being kind to ourselves. So therefore the harming place just feels the easier place to be. And that's the thing, isn't it? If it's familiar, even if it's not right, it's like, we know what's going to happen. So there's a safety in that knowing it's like, well, that happened before and I survived it. It wasn't nice, but I survived it. And I think this is an unconscious conversation that happens. It isn't conscious. You know, I, I've, I've managed that before. I didn't, I didn't, I, it didn't kill me. Mm. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to go and do a bit more of that again. But if I try something completely different, that could be really, really scary. Well, I think, you know, if you, if, you know, without going into a sort of, you know, too deep a discussion around, you know, our un unconscious reactions, but our nervous system is a is a is a process that we have very little control over. Mm. So if we've experienced something and it's hurt us, or we've done something to protect ourselves, we will do that again because we know it saved us last time. Mm. 
So to unwire that, especially from deeply traumatic things, mm. takes a lot of trust and a lot of love and a lot of inward focusing. And you can understand why it's so painful for people to have to keep repeating that stuff over and over again. Mm. I think, you know, it's, it's took me over 20 years, Dawn, to even be able to talk about some of this stuff. Wow. You know, and thankfully for me, I've, you know, it, 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 it's, been a, it's been something that I've felt supported to be able to, to walk through. And, you know, I, I've experienced what many, many other LGBT people have experienced, which was bullying and misunderstanding of who I was when I was younger. Mm. You know, that's, there's been no kind of physical abuse involved. There's been nothing like that. You know, it's just purely, you know, just acceptance. <laughs> and that for me has been so damaging, you know. So it's, you can understand why it's so easy to stay in that in that stuck place or that place where we feel protected by our actions because actually they are looking after us. Mm. But as human beings, there's always this want, isn't there, to want to, to change mm. because we know we have the capacity to. Mm. And sometimes it takes a huge event to want us to change or sometimes it can just be a thought. It's just mm. like, hey, you know, I've got the capacity to change in some way, <laughs> you know. And each of us have such a different experience, and I hate that word journey, but we've all been on very different journeys. But but actually, those journeys have a lot of similarities and a lot of crossovers, which is where what I hope we can do with this podcast and also with the teachings that we offer, it can be a place of support and refuge for people to be able to come to hear, to learn, to maybe share and experience themselves Mm. or just learn from others who might have been through situations and experiences. Yeah. And I think um, just listening to what you're saying, it made me, it reminded me of a podcast I really enjoy listening to, which is, well, it's not a podcast actually, he's a speaker, Gabor Mate. Um, And he speaks a lot around trauma, childhood trauma, and the result of childhood trauma is often people getting involved in addictive behaviors. And he said, he said, I love being around addicts. He said, they're the most honest people you, you'll see. He said, because all, all, all their pain is out there. He said, it's, in, it's showing, showing up in their addiction. He said, whatever it happens to be, he said, drugs, alcohol, shopping, sex, anything. He said, it's, in, he said, it's out there what we're seeing is their trauma on their skin. It's on their clothing. It's outside their body. He said, that's their pain. And they're saying, what they're saying is I, I cannot live with this pain. So I'm trying to numb it. The pain is just too great. And actually the first step for me, when I accepted that I was deeply, deeply traumatized by my childhood was I'm in a lot of pain. And my God, I've been in a lot of pain for such a long time. And I wasn't even aware that I could feel anything other than I felt, which was on a state of high alert and deep anxiety, which I personally coped with by becoming extremely helpful to everybody. Like if you asked me, everybody would ask me to do everything because it bloody well get done for sure. You know, I'd just pile it on. No problem. If I have to stay up to one in the morning, that's not a problem. It will be done. You know, I just would work and work and work. And then 
what happens is you your well your own well-being is like it doesn't even exist and then this little part of you that's inside your soul whatever you want to call it just shrinks and shrinks and shrinks and disappears it's just waiting there very patiently giving you the old prod every now and then telling you it's not happy by you know making you feel you know you feel sad you feel lonely you feel rage you get sick and then eventually if you keep ignoring those little voices or these little signals that are your body's way of telling you that actually this is not how you're meant to be living your life it will keep kicking you and make those kicks bigger and stronger until you have to stop and pay attention and i guess the lesson i hope that people can take out of perhaps listening today is like listen to your inner voice you know if you're uncomfortable if you're on edge if you can't relax if you give more of yourself to others than you do to yourself if you have some addictive behaviors you know that's a warning that's your trauma showing up for you in the real world and it's like stop just stop and start being a bit kinder to yourself there's this, there's the starting point and being kinder to yourself doesn't necessarily mean jumping into a yoga class although it might be it might be going for a swim going for a walk taking a long bath getting into therapy curbing your spending habits getting rid of some crappy friends you know but start really putting yourself first and everything else starts to you know become a little bit more understandable and tangible in terms of how you're going to move forward from the from that place what, what would you what, what's your thoughts around that daniel i i think yeah it's 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 such an easy thing to do to ignore mm. what's happening and by putting your hand up and saying you know what i need some help it can be one of the most empowering but also scary things that you could ever do in your life. And I'm only saying this because I've had to do it again very recently. You know, I had to I had to put my hand up and say, actually, I'm not coping very well. I need some help. So I went out to those people that I seek refuge and support from. And it feels lighter. And there's so many amazing resources out there that are free or that are accessible now because of the modern time that we live in and having so much access to so much stuff on the computer and through the internet. You know, it's an, there's an amazing abundance of support out there. You know, Dawn was talking about for people maybe that, you know, need support with addiction you know there's amazing 12-step programs that are online there's amazing you know resources of you know free counseling services that you can you can speak to um you know i i i was just thinking about some of the things you know the the, the podcasts that i've listened to i mean nearly everyone actually ends up about being around mental well-being or mental health or you know how to support yourself differently and even, even just hearing someone else's experience can be a relief because <laughs> you know you're not alone. You'll know you're not the only person going through that experience mm. at that time. So I would say, you know, do reach out, do get support. Mm. Yeah, I would agree. And just think we're going to have to wind this up. Where, they, where does the time go? Um, 
let's just say very briefly in under a minute, um, what, what's your self-care practice, Daniel? What's the things that are your real touch points for making sure that you... Well, my, 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 sorry, Don, my, my, my self-care practice has two elements to it. And the elements are influenced heavily by um, the yoga tradition. I have a mantra that I recite 108 times that was given to me by my teacher that has been hugely transformative and has recently changed um, because it needed to change as I was evolving and collectively actually we was evolving as a group of students working with my teacher, my teacher Lisa Katie Isley. Um, so I do that every day. Don't do it at a set time, I do it whenever I can fit it in the day, but I do 108 repetitions of my mantra and then sit for about five or 10 minutes after. The other thing that I do religiously is a practice called Yoga Nidra, which is a deep relaxation practice, which um, I take influence from two teachers, Uma Dinsmore Tully and Rod Stryker. And I would say them two have really kind of influenced the way that I, I use Yoga Nidra. And for me, by doing those things on a regular basis, they keep me in check. <laughs> Other than that, I go running, swimming, cycling, walking, talking, reading, <laughs> podcasting, <laughs> eating, <laughs> living. blah, blah, blah. <laughs> living, yeah. <laughs> How about yourself, Dawn? So um, I guess it's similarly, I've, I have a mantra that I practice and it does it changes from time to time. If I feel I need to develop my compassion gene a little bit more, I'll practice the mantra from my teacher Ram Das. I am loving awareness again, 108 times. I find that really, find mantra practice very powerful, uh, setting the intention to expand my heart firstly to myself and then to others. It's always, always creates a wonderful feeling of spaciousness. But um, I also make sure several times a day I check in with how I'm feeling. So I might just take a moment and just, um, am I, how is my breath? How am I feeling in my body? What my, where's my head? Um, and then I might make a little adjustment. So if I'm breathing very shallow, I'll take a moment to do some deep breathing. If I'm feeling a bit anxious, I might meditate for a bit longer or um, do a yoga nidra as you suggest. I've been doing more of those myself recently. Um, but big thing for me is being outside. So I'll either have a I'd like to say I swim in the sea. I'm not really sure you could call it swimming. I kind of paddle up and down a bit, looking like I'm drowning. Um, and the, or I'll go to the woods, or I'll be in my garden. I've just put a greenhouse in the garden, so we're starting to grow a few things. But I find that really, it slows me right down. So I have a tendency to run 100 miles an hour. So I, my practice is to slow everything down, even to the point that I walk more, I walk quite slowly, I drive slowly pretty much everything I do, I try to do at a slower pace to calm my nervous system and to stay very present in the now. But that checking in with myself is absolutely key. And if you're somebody who struggles with that, stick a little alarm on your phone and just when it pings off, you know, it's your moment to check in and just, and then do what you need to do so you feel okay. Yeah, that's, that's what I do. 
So um, we were going to finish off our podcast each week with our favourite quote of the week. And it does change from time to time. Um, it depends on what we're working on ourselves, doesn't, doesn't it? What's your favourite one, Daniel? My favourite one was one that I heard quite a few years ago. I'm just going to bring it up on the phone so I can read it because it's a little bit long. Um, but it reminds me of um, actually someone that you know very well, Karen Atkinson. Um, uh, amazing mindfulness teacher and um, yeah I think it 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 kind of sums up my take on yoga and mindfulness and you know just how important it is to laugh sometimes so the 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 poem or the the quote goes if you can sit quietly after difficult news, if in financial downturns you remain perfectly calm, if you can see your neighbours travel to fantastic places without a twinge of jealousy, if you can happily eat whatever is put on your plate, if you can fall asleep after a day of running around without a drink or a pill, if you can always find contentment just where you are, you are probably a dog. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> woof. <laughs> Absolutely. Woof, woof. <laughs> I, I think I'm a dog part of the day, certainly. <laughs> yes. Not all of the day, but part of the day, I'm certainly woofing. <laughs> um, my, my quotes change a lot because I'm... <laughs> Do it work it, I'm made my brain's always buzzing around, which is why I started to meditate so young. Um, and my quote that I've been really enjoying this week is by Joseph Pierce, and I've no idea who Joseph Pierce is, but I like it. To live a creative life, we must lose our fear of being wrong, which is super relevant for me right at the minute because there's a whole lot of rearranging happening in my life, as, as, as we know, we've spoken about, and it's quite scary a bit of rearranging might get it wrong of course there is no wrong but that's for a whole other podcast i think <laughs> let's save that one for another time so our next podcast is going to um, be with a expert who's actually talking about grief and we're really interested in her, hearing her perspective around collective grief and actually what we have all been through collectively through this lockdown and COVID period. So um, in the next two weeks, we will be uploading that next podcast and we hope you'll be able to tune in and listen to it with us. Marvellous. Thanks for chatting, Daniel, as always. It's been good. Thank you, Dom. It's been a pleasure, as always. You live after yourself. You too. <laughs> Bye.